The Unbiased Podcast is recorded live at the Ministry of Sound and powered by Copus. Hello, I'm Karen Barrett, CEO and founder of unbiased.co.uk, and this is the Unbiased Podcast, available to listen to completely free from wherever you find your great audio experiences. Unbiased.co.uk has a range of really useful calculator tools to help you plan your pension or mortgage. Head online now and try them out. This is Your Money, Your Future, and I'm Karen Barrett. Recording our first season of the Unbiased podcast has been such fun, so I thought I'd share my highlights and best bits. Stay tuned for news of what's coming in season two. People come to Unbiased really for the big financial decisions. Those top would be retirement planning, either at the point of retirement or thinking, oh, I've only got 10, 15 years and I need to do more. It will be around investing, you know, which stocks and shares or tax wrappers, et cetera, should I be utilizing to build up my investments? Lots of people saying, oh, I want to get a mortgage help me, want to move into my dream home. Um, and lots of things really around tax and inheritance tax, you know, the, the difficult to understand pieces of finances where the rules are changing often. They would probably be the top reasons why people come to Unbiased. But I also think it's around confidence. They want an expert holding their hand and walking them through some of the decisions that they've got to make. And it's an excellent idea because whilst there's lots of content and information out there and people can do a lot to educate themselves, actually, when they're looking at what should I do, for example, should I purchase an annuity? Well, an advisor would say, well, let's step back and think, what are your options? What do you want to achieve from that? And actually, it might not be purchasing an annuity that they want. It might be investing for income. And it's that sort of thing where people go, right, I'm going to go and spend my pension and purchase an annuity and actually oh that's the wrong question to be asking yourself and the advisors are really well placed experienced and qualified to know what you should be answering I mean you know that gap between what you're earning and then what you're spending should be sort of in the negative you should be squirreling away some because it gives you choices it gives you options you're not going to be reliant on other people or difficult lines of credit etc so that would be my advice I was fascinated to hear from investment specialist Claire Francis on why women can be more reticent investors and the barriers that exist to deter them from investing in the first place. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic and we've done quite a lot of this and and actually we did an event back in autumn last year on it. And there's lots of factors at play here and there's no sort of one size fits all. But I think if you go back decades now, often within a household, maybe the role of if you're in a couple, you know, often the man, the husband would go out to work and the woman would be responsible for running the household and and women were brilliant at it. But as a result, when it comes to finances, often even now, when perhaps more women are working or earning on a par with men, still there's that sort of fewer women do seem to invest. And why is that the case? So 
some of it can still be a traditional, you know, the way families run their finances and, and, and how they divvy out the responsibility in terms of who does what. But also, I think that culturally and, and in society, investing is often commonly associated with men and, and often with sort of rich men. So if you think about some of the imagery, some of the films, some of, you know, often, it, you know, you, you do sort of see a lot of it. it's very male dominated and working in the finance industry as you and I do as women, we're not on our own. Absolutely we're not on our own, which is great. But there are still probably more men in the industry than women. So it's, again, it's breaking those barriers down, helping give women the confidence. And also one of the things that comes up for, and it's it's a barrier for, for men and for women, yeah. I think is language and how we talk about investing. Because when you look at a lot of the language, a lot of the terminology, it can put people off. There's lots of jargon, complex terms, acronyms. So if you don't necessarily understand it and aren't feeling that confident, just the language alone can put people off and make them feel a bit scary. Then add to that the fact that there is risk involved with investing because obviously stock markets can fall as well as rise. And perhaps you can understand why some of those barriers do exist and, and why people are nervous and reluctant to give it a little bit of a go. And I think women in particular perhaps are, are more risk averse than many men. And as a result, that sort of that caution can put them off. Caprice Beret was a fantastic guest. She was smart, shrewd and extremely business savvy. I loved what she said about risk and research. You know what? You have to be fearless. You have to accept risk. Well, me, I take calculated risks. So I try and limit the risk factor. How do I do that? I research. And again, I hedge. I just don't put all my eggs into one basket when I make investments. You know, one of my, I'm not going to say who it is, but somebody very, very close to me, they don't do due diligence. They go and they hear a pitch and they said, oh, they like the story. I said, did you do your due diligence? No, 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 it's fine. It's, you know, it made sense to me. I mean, they have more money than God. So this little, I said, are you crazy? Sure enough. And not that I'm proud to say this, but I was right. They lost the money and then what they had to do. So just, uh, they had to put more money into it and they lost that money. Do, Do you know what I mean? Do your due diligence, do your homework, and you should do it. Even though, you, even though I have an amazing team around me, I do a lot myself. And I think women are, are, have better instincts than men. I'll probably get crucified for that, but I really believe that. No, I think that's How, right. I'd say gut instincts. I think so. But, but you can't just go on instincts. You've got to do your due diligence as well. So in terms of you know leading a business... Um, communicating in that sort of leadership role has been one of my areas of biggest growth and still is. I think still think I've got a lot to learn there. But with a bigger business now, I've got the support there to help me communicate with the business and externally. So that's really helping. And I also just think that women have better emotional intelligence. And that ranges from like reading a room to managing employees and understanding it's the, you know, it is about the numbers, but it's not just, you know, if you can excite people about the story and what they're doing for you because I've run my business alone I need lots of people all doing different stuff to make it a success you have to understand how they think and I think that's an area of continued focus for me but it's something I think women probably have the edge on I'm going to lead in a way that I think reflects best on me I'm also into the karma stuff I want to treat others as I would wish to be treated and the world is a small place you will come around and meet some of those people again 
And again, so I would hate for any experience to come back and bite me in the ass. One of the things I asked all my guests was for their top three pieces of advice. Here's what entrepreneur Priya Downs shared. I think definitely go on a course on investing and understanding how you can spread your investment or your money in a smarter way because I think that lots and lots of people kind of go right I've got a bank account I've got a savings account that gives me interest that's safe yes it is but that really shouldn't be your only way that you should be saving your money or investing for the future so I think automatically just looking where you are today and thinking how can I better spread my bets is one thing and I think the third thing would be just really kind of educating yourself on risk and understanding the levels of risks in some of these asset classes and kind of going is that something I'm comfortable with and start with something you're interested in it might be with men we always associate it with cars you know it could be that you have a love of watches so why not think about how could you make that into a bit of a marketplace and make some money out of it? There's no reason why you can't. And so there is ways that you can marry your kind of money with something that you're interested in as well. It doesn't have to be that you go into something that has no interest to you at all. Those are my tips. But Ayo Sakali was my third guest of season one. Her enthusiasm was infectious. But hear how everyone in the studio reacted to a shocking incident she shared. I mean, there's challenges throughout life. That's kind of the point of existence, but it's kind of our attitude to it. So there's two pronged things, right? You have challenges in life and then there are things you can do that maybe challenge the system. So campaign and lobby to change things. But there's also how you show up. Like we're talking about the energy we bring to things, how we make people feel. So if we meet people who don't quite agree with us, they don't quite, you know, they don't want the same outcome as us. They don't agree with what we want to achieve. And that point, connecting with them, sharing your energy and openness and creating a container for them to share and be understood and be seen like the biggest gift you can give another person and through that you can then actually start to change minds and change hearts so changing those challenges to opportunities to actually have these really strong relationships so turning adversaries to actually allies so i think challenges are just the nature of life they're going to be everywhere a woman in stem a woman in politics they're going to be challenges but it's about how you approach them and sometimes it's hard i won't pretend it's not for example i was walking down the street and the council made a change and there was a press release and someone wasn't happy with it and they saw me and they recognized me because um, i guess i'm hard to miss i'm a little bit loud and bubbly and they came over to me and they spat in my face and i was oh, absolutely oh at the moment hurt but I, I realized that okay how do I turn this moment and create a space for them understand them and understand someone who maybe isn't feeling heard isn't feeling like they have a platform I'm not I'm not saying what they did is right but how do I change that moment and that maybe approaching it with a different perspective with a different energy a quite negative one I would not have been able to achieve and actually quite supportive of me now Artist Alison Jackson talking about her riches to rag story was so honest and open. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, but I was so inspired by her attitude to life and how she'd faced her challenges head on. 
basically, I suppose, had a sort of fairy tale, economically elite start to my life and very privileged and really, really wonderful. It was like being on a sort of first class flight, but not realizing actually it was going to crash at some point or not understanding that all that world was going to crash. So effectively, my father lived in this massive uh, mansion, had Rolls Royces and Bentleys that he collected, his own petrol pump, lots of staff and gardeners running around. The view from the house was kind of rolling acres. My mother had horses, her own breed of thoroughbred Connemara horses. And it was a wonderful idyllic life surrounded by beauty. And I have to thank them for this wonderful, gorgeous looking life that I had. However, my father believed in primogenitor, so everything was left uh, to my brother as a male. And I, as a girl, didn't inherit anything from the estate. And basically, I was supposed to marry a, a rich guy that they would set up. And then I could just live, you know, this life. That's why I learned home economics. So I could learn to, to cook. When my father died, my father died first and I, I didn't uh, see the will because why would I? I mean, I wasn't involved in any part of the will. Uh, so why, why would I get to see it? So I didn't really visually notice any difference. But when my mother died, my last parent, suddenly, of course, things did change radically. And my brother didn't want me returning to the house after she died in hospital. And it's, you know, it's all mine, get off my land type of thing. And so suddenly I thought, oh my God, this is a terrible moment for me because everything I knew, suddenly everything familiar in my life suddenly wasn't there. It was like, you know, I had to suddenly think emotionally for myself, financially, economically, everything. And so my world came to this terrible crash. Now, if Karen had been there with me, she would have been amazing support to help me find a way through what I was going to do next. What talents do I have? How can I make money? What could I do with my savings? And all of that type of thing. But I didn't have any of that. So I was sort of scrabbling around, emotionally dented and <laughs> betrayed, if you like, all because I was a woman. I feel it would have been an enormous help, Karen, if you'd been there. Pension planning was a subject that came up in a few episodes, but Samantha Seaton hit the nail on the head in terms of how women, in particular, need to think and plan differently. It is a massive issue, actually, because we are going to live longer than men in the main, and we're going to have a lot less money. That sounds like a terrible outcome, doesn't it, Karen? I mean, I, I'm not happy about that. So I think it is very important um, that women, first of all, I guess, start to take ownership for their own pension. One of the things that's perhaps happened in the past is we've all thought about our money as a family. And, and I think that works, you know, for a lot of people. But I think the word of caution I'd have is that, you know, you're not always with the same partner for your entire life. So I think if that's, if that's something that's more common and is going to stay common, which I, I think it, it is, yeah. I think the one thing I would say to every woman out, out there is just just take control of your own pension. doesn't mean that actually with your partner when you retire that you might kind of club them all together and, you know, have a great job. But actually start with, you know, just genuinely thinking, you know, I, I'm going to live a long time. I, I need to make sure, you know, it's doing what it, what it can for me. And, and also the other thing I would say 
is you know when you go on on maternity leave or any outages is what yeah, I any call gaps it. you might have any you know, gaps right. you have I I think you know also think about could you possibly keep trickling some money even if it is as a family you know it doesn't you know maybe you're not earning the income at that point but is there any spare cash in the family to just trickle a little bit of money through that period because that's where I think we we the gaps is what's catching us out in terms of our real, you know, discrimination. And that seems such a shame, right? I love that. Great, great tip. Really great tip. When podcast host Jason Allen Scott turned the tables to interview me, he asked a key question that often comes up. How much does advice cost? You're right. This is the biggest question we get asked when people are looking at financial advice. People get scared by the prospect of forking out a fortune for financial advice and not always knowing at the outset whether it's going to be worth it. So the first thing really to be aware of is that a financial advisor can help you save money in many different ways from recommending the right product that you can save significant costs over the long term to helping you more effectively so that your money isn't being eroded so much by tax and inflation, say. And of course, they can also help you avoid costly mistakes, whether that is buying the wrong financial products for your circumstances or losing money through an error of judgment and just choosing the wrong path to go down, really, or even falling victim to fraud, which we've seen an increasing number of cases over the last decade. And so really, the cost of advice is often less than the cost of doing nothing. And as a rule of thumb, and certainly the case with a lot of our unbiased advisors, is that the initial consultation is free. They're really happy to have a chat through your particular situation. And then you can ask questions of your advisor, ask them about different clients they've helped that are in your situation, and really then just work out some options for you. And then you can make a decision. So they should be open and clear about their fees, really transparent. They'll let you know whether they operate on an hourly rate or a fixed fee for a specific service or an ongoing percentage fee for managing, say, an investment portfolio. Or if they have options and you can choose which you would like to pay via. And of course, you can always help your understanding of the types of costs that would be applicable to your situation by using our calculator tool. You can find that on unbiased.co.uk backslash tools, and you can plug in some basic details around your own situation to get an instant estimate based on average advisor fees for everything from setting up a pension to releasing equity. I love chatting to Lottie Leaf from the Jura Society on the show. We had a great conversation about crypto and whether or not it's here to stay. I think it should be part of everybody's portfolio right now, to be honest, because okay. it's not going anywhere anytime soon. We're actually going to be doing a, a workshop in a couple of months time on crypto, but not just like the beginner's guide. What is it? It's more yeah. what can you do with it and where is yes. it going? Future planning it. Um, and where is it going? What can you do with it? Can you give our listeners some bite-sized nuggets of info on that? Let me condense it. So the different applications for it in terms of if you're buying things in the metaverse, and that's not just NFTs, that's looking at, you know, where retail, you've got the likes of Prada or whatever, you can buy your little avatar, their outfits, and it's going to be huge. Mm. Just because if you look at how the upcoming generation has grown up, they've grown up online and being stuck yes. indoors throughout the pandemic as well, they're becoming very used to navigating online worlds. So yeah. it's kind of like going back to when, well, when I was little, playing The Sims, 
loved playing mm-hmm. the single day. It's yeah. that alternative reality where you feel you've got some control. With so much uncertainty in the world, it's going to be a safe haven for a lot of people. And that's where the money's going to be going as well. And if you look at buying properties in the metaverse, a friend of mine, she's currently getting her house redesigned by architects in the metaverse and then hosting art shows and art gallery things in there so you get a huge global reach as well but remember going back into risk understand what you're getting into and what mm-hmm. your capacity for loss is in yes. there don't don't put it all in at once no and I think the only way to to learn whether you're comfortable with it or not is to yeah. try to have and a go but keep all your eggs in different baskets is that well the... yeah you know if it's just putting 50 quid in and understanding what the platforms are like and how you get your money in how you get your money out that I think is worth a shot, but you know, yeah. don't put you know, you know, don't remortgage your house to go into crypto. Vanessa Chalice, founder of Tiger Law, was the final guest on season one of my podcast. She shared so much great insight, but here's what she had to say about getting the basics right when starting a business. Yeah, so well, first of all. Don't let yourself be paralysed with over-planning. Make sure that what you want to do will sell and try it out. So be brave and just do it. Don't fill up 17 different notebooks with ideas because you're kidding yourself. Get out there, do it, sell it. But one of the first things that you should think about is the terms on which you're doing it. And it's relatively easy to get that right, but also pretty easy to get it wrong. So, for example, if you're selling to consumers as opposed to businesses or both, there are quite different regimes that apply. So you can be much meaner in your B2B terms than you can be in your B2C because you will really trip yourself up there. Are you selling goods or services? Are you online or offline? It could be any combination of all of those things. And the way you do business should be quite carefully described in your terms. If you cut and paste someone else's terms, even if they're in the same industry, they may well not do business in exactly the same way. And you can bet your bottom dollar the first time you have a customer or client niggle, it'll fall on one of those items that you didn't craft. So it doesn't need to be hugely lengthy, but you want to be thinking about what you're selling, who you're selling to, where you're selling it, how do they make an order, can they cancel, what are your payment terms? Do you do refunds? Is there any intellectual property you need to be thinking about and that kind of stuff? Last of all, my final favourite moment. We're back with Caprice, who shared the importance of getting the story right. I had to convince them to invest millions of pounds into me, okay? They took the meeting because, woo! You know, I was like the hot ticket at the moment, you know, that's why they took the meeting. I was, I knew that and I use it to my advantage and I came totally prepared and I knew what the reality was. They they were just there, not necessarily to invest in my brand, but to meet me. Okay, whatever. Happy days. And then I came totally prepared and I convinced them. It's about your story, you know, especially when you're getting investment, go in with one hell of a story, get all your ducks in a row. That's what I do with everything to this very day. I'm scaling out my Bike Caprice home to America. A lot of people don't know me in America. Oh, honey, I am building the biggest story you've ever seen. If you don't know me, oh my God, I'm the biggest name 
ever in England. Okay, it's an exaggeration. I'm going to tell you, I'm exaggerating. Whatever. Okay, this is business. You know, I am building. I mean, it's taken me months to put together this. Trust me, ask my PA. She's here. She's like, oh my God, you're really unbelievable. I'm like, I know, but I took that video from uh, seven years ago. But it doesn't matter. And I'm very transparent about it too. It's about the story. This is business. You know, I'm scaling, but I know that I could sell. It's also about integrity. I'm not doing this to fool people. I'm doing this because I know my brand. I know the quality and I know it will sell like crazy because there's very little competition out there. This is another thing. I'm jumping around a lot, but just work with me. When I go in, when I invest in another idea, I go out and I research to make sure there's not a lot of competition. If the market's saturated, and this was a big mistake, a lot of my investments, well, not a lot, a few. If the market's saturated and you're not one of the big boys, it's very hard to compete. As much publicity and as much awareness as I could get out there, I can't compete with the big boys. So like with my Buy Caprice home, I know it's going to be huge. Yes, they'll invest in me, but I will get a return. I know that I'll be able to promote it, get it out there, create a great story, and it's a win-win situation. I loved recording season one of my podcast, Your Money, Your Future. And I hope it was a win-win for our guests and you, our listeners. Join us soon for season two. We're kicking off on the 11th of May with Hollywood actor and model Jesse Metcalf from Desperate Housewives fame. Tune in then. Making high-quality podcasts like this takes a lot of work. That's a fact. But not when you hire Copus. With our white glove experience, we handle everything for you, from guest outreach all the way through publishing and promotion. We handle it all. You show up to hold great interviews like these and build relationships with your guests. We take care of everything else. Podcasting is not just about the audience. Every podcast interview is the start of a brand new relationship. With a weekly podcast, you would build relationships with 52 ideal partners or prospects through podcast interviews over the next 12 months. Do you believe 52 new relationships could grow your business? We do. Why not contact me today, jason at copus.com, J-A-S-O-N at K-O-P-U-S dot com. And let's talk.